Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you all for pressing your way. Amen. I know what it is to be tired. I just got back from West Virginia today. So, <laughs> so you know what? But God is good. God allowed me to get up early this morning and press my way. Didn't hit traffic at all. So, um, you know, I don't usually take the easy pathway too often, but I took it this time, I skipped a couple exits, and then I got on just in time for the traffic backed up, and it was just smooth sailing, so, you know, glory to God. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So, you know, we, we all know what weekend this is, you know, um, yeah, it's a time where people come, and, and we honor Jesus, you know, for what he did for us, yes. right, and, and truth be told, you know, we can honor him anytime for what he did, and that's what we should do, right, it, it shouldn't be just for one day you know, or one weekend, you know, and it, even what I talked about for Christmas with his birth, right? We don't wait till December to celebrate his birth, you know, so right. we don't wait till what the world calls Easter, but I call resurrection weekend, Amen. right? Amen. Um, yeah, so as Christians, we shouldn't have nothing to do with Easter because <laughs> the paganistic, you know, so there's things that we, we shouldn't be a part of and, and do because it's not honoring Christ. Right, so we want to be careful of those things. But you know, a lot of people don't know. You know, so we don't judge them, we just educate them. Right? <laughs> you know, so glory to God. So let's turn our Bibles to Luke chapter two, twenty-two, excuse me, Luke chapter twenty-two. So I you know, I didn't say it before, I'm not a seasonal theme minister or anything like that, but I guess this does fit in. Because I had another part that I was supposed to finish um, from uh <coughs> giving glory to God, but We'll, we'll get to that another time. Luke chapter 22. Pages turn. All right, Luke chapter 22, I'll begin at verse 39. Coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives as he was accustomed. And his disciples also followed him. When he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. Pray that you may not enter into temptation. Verse 41. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. Verse 43, then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood, falling down to the ground. When he rose up from prayer and had come to his disciples, he found them sleeping from sorrow. Verse 46, then he said to them, why do you sleep? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. Amen. So, you know, Jesus here is, we're all familiar with this story here, right? Uh, in uh, verse 42, he says, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me, but nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. You know, we have to understand what God's will is for what he wants us to do, right? So actually, the title of my message is, Not My Will, But Your Will Be Done. You know, a lot of times we... We consider ourselves doing the will of God when it's actually maybe our will, right? Because it sounds like a good idea sometimes, right? 
And it sounds like we can be blessed from it, but is it really what God wants? See, sometimes God's will doesn't make sense to us, right? And it won't make sense to the people on the outside. So what does will mean? Will here defined in the Greek, it actually means what one wishes or has determined shall be done. What one wishes or has determined shall be done. Here Jesus finds himself, he knew what he came to do. He knew he came, he knew that Judas was going to betray him. He knew that. But here he, here he is in the Mount of Olives. And it says here in uh, verse 39, that as he was accustomed. Because this week here, he spent every night there at the Mount of Olives. And guess who else spent the night there with him? Judas. Right? So, again, not my will, but your will be done. See, it doesn't make sense in the natural. Well, first of all, for Jesus to go to this point here when he knows Judas is about to betray him. In the natural, it doesn't make sense. Right? And if we look at it and we backtrack, it doesn't really make sense that God will send Jesus to die for us. Right? Jesus came, like the song said, Calvary, to set us free, right? But yet, we have people today. And some of us have maybe been like those people that are today, where we take him for granted. Right? What do I mean by taking him for granted? We just decide we don't know him, right? Because even before I came to the Lord, I was like, I don't, no, I'm not ready yet. I don't have time for it. And then people even use his name in vain. But yet, he was beaten, bruised, and battered. So we can be in relationship with the Father once again. So now the Father doesn't have to turn his back on us. But now he can embrace us because he doesn't see us, but he sees Christ. That's right. But in the natural, that doesn't make sense. Because in the natural... How many of us would give up our kids to go die for someone that could care less? That doesn't make sense. But that's what Jesus did for you and I. Right? And, and like I said, he knew Judas was coming. He knew that, like I said, he was sleeping there every day for, for during that week. Well, how do I know that? In Luke chapter 21, verse 37 says this. You don't have to turn there. And in the daytime, he was teaching in the temple, but at night, he went out and stayed on the mountain called Olive. So here he was. He, 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 he comes to the uh, disciples, and he does what? In verse 40, he tells them to pray. Right? He tells them to pray. Now, y'all heard me say, because even when we were at the house, I said, one, one servant said, all right, we're not going to pray for ourselves. We're going to pray for the person next to us. Right? We're not going to pray for ourselves, our family members. Y'all remember when we did that? Yeah. Right? So... Here is something Jesus is telling the disciples, and really it's something we should pray every day for ourselves, that we enter not into temptation. Amen. Right? That's something we should pray about every day, because every day we are tempted. We are, every day we are tempted to, to sin, to really disobey God. Right? If we work, we're tempted to do certain things. Right? Even, even thoughts. And the fiery dust that the enemy may bring, we're tempted to do. Every one of us here, every person on earth is tempted. That's at one point or another. Because we know Jesus was tempted. Right? So if Jesus was tempted, guess what? We're going to be tempted. Right? But we have to pray that we don't enter into temptation. Right? So what does temptation mean? Temptation here in the Greek is uh, the Greek word paramos, which means a trial, a proving. A trial of proving of what? Our virtue which means our behavior, showing our high moral standards. Enticed to have a lapse from faith 
and holiness. And this is what I was talking about Wednesday where, you know, God allows us to be tempted. Why? Because it shows our love for him when we don't give in to that temptation. Right? But the enemy, he wants to come and tempt us to turn on God, to get us to disobey God. Right? And what example do we have? Job. Right? When, when Satan went up to heaven, guess what? Satan didn't ask God about Job. God offered Job up. Say, hey, have you considered my servant Job? Can he say that about us? Have you considered my servant Marshall? Have you considered my servant Job? Can he say that about us? Right? And, 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 and think about it. Satan said what? He said, look, you take away this, Job is going to curse you. And in the natural, that's a lot, Job. Just in chapter 1, just in chapter 1 alone, he lost his house, he lost his kids, he lost his livestock. Right? But guess what? Towards the end, I think it's the last verse, he didn't curse God. Didn't curse God. Right? How many of us would have asked, why, God? What are you doing? What are you doing? But see, even then, Job understood, not my will, but your will be done. Now flip it over to chapter 2 as the Satan goes back and says, well, look, if you take your hand of protection off him, he's going to curse you if you do. So what happened? God's allowed it to happen again. Put boils on him this time, right? And, and now he's got no kids because they're dead. But guess what? The enemy will do what? The one closest to him. The one that's closest to him, his wife. <laughs> his wife says, come Curse God. Curse God. But guess what? Job refused to do it. Amen. Job refused to do it. And even Jesus in the wilderness, he was hungry. But no. Even though the enemy came and offered to give him bread, no, he didn't do it. Why? Because Jesus knew the bigger plan. Amen. Jesus had to remain sinless. Why? Because it wasn't about his will, but it was about the Father's will. You all heard me say it before. It was Jesus never went about doing his well because in a natural it would make sense. Why? Because that that he would have done his will because guess what? He's going to be king anyway. So Satan offered to give him up all the kingdoms. And believe it or not, Satan had the ability to give him all the kingdoms. Jesus said no. Jesus said no. So he came and he, he lived a life. A life of humility. Right? Despite what certain preachers say, no, he wasn't rich. But we have to understand, he walked in obedience, so he didn't need the money per se because he had God's blessing upon him. Right? So if God's telling us to do, do something and wants us to do something, we can't look at it, oh, I need this, I need that. No, we just need to do it and obey. Amen. Right? And like I said, when God's will for our lives, when he wants us to do something, it doesn't make sense. It's like cutting a pot roast, right? When you cut a pot roast, you cut against the grain to get it smooth That's right. right? and juicy. But if you cut along the grain, now it's rough right? and tough. right? But no, we want to cut against the grain. And that's what God's will will do to our flesh. It doesn't make sense. See, even when we moved there, now, y'all heard me say, some of y'all heard me say before, I never wanted to come to Virginia, right? But guess what? I never wanted to live in Connecticut neither, right? <laughs> but... You know, we've been in Virginia now coming up on 18 years. Right? Yeah, I just thought about it there. <laughs> we, I, and the thing about it is, 
even though I didn't like Connecticut per se, everything was good there. We had a lovely home in a lovely neighborhood. Right? We had the water in the back of the house. We could walk to the beach. Right? And the neighborhood, they loved us. Right? We were closer to our neighbors there than we are with our neighbors here, and we lived here longer than what we had in Connecticut. We had good jobs. We had friends. Look, we been we have more friends in Connecticut than we have here in Virginia, and we lived in Connecticut a lot less time. We had a good church. We had a good position in church, right? Had a thriving youth ministry in church, and it wouldn't make sense to get up and leave, right? And when we left, guess what? We sold the house. I gave up a job without, without us having the house here, without having a job here. It doesn't make sense. But it's about doing the Father's will. I didn't know all this was going to take place today, you know, with the ministry and everything. But God knew. But if I had disobeyed, and I'll be honest, when I first got to Virginia, I hated it. I wanted to go back. I hated my job. I, I, I did. And when we were leaving, we didn't tell nobody. I told my partner, who wasn't saved. But that's about it, only because he was my partner. But we kept it close to the best. We didn't tell him. We just prayed. We pray, and that's what we have to do to do God's will, you know. And like I said, it was tough when I got here, cause policing ain't policing everywhere. <laughs> it's sure enough. So I hated the Richmond Police Department. I hated that. I said, Why do we do it this way? This does not make sense. This is too hard, wrench. Why are we doing it this way? And nobody in the city worked together. Where in New Haven, everybody worked together. The hospitals, law enforcement, city hall, everybody was together. And for whatever reason, come to Virginia, everybody's against themselves. Right? Since we've been here, we've probably been, not counting this church, probably about, I think, four or five different churches. Yeah. And we still didn't have the relationships that we had in the churches. We only were at two churches when we were in Connecticut. And we only switched one because we moved to a different part of Connecticut. Right, so everything was really golden outside of being in Connecticut and snow. Right, everything else was good. Right, and, and to the natural, it doesn't make it wouldn't have made sense to leave that, to come here to a place knowing I was going to hate it. Right? And I said, some of y'all heard me say it. I said after being in the military, I would never, ever, ever, ever leave in, live in Virginia. No, <laughs> I love it now. I love it now. <laughs> It took a little bit, but I, I, I do love it now. But, uh, you know, it, it didn't make sense. But God knew. And see, when God said, leave. And, and, you know, when I first told my wife, let's move to Virginia. I know that wasn't me. Because, like I said, I had no intentions. I told her, I had no intention of living in Virginia. No. But, see, God knew what was ahead. And, and, like I said, it didn't make sense in the natural. And then, even when we were trying to come here, the, the house that we, we're living in now that we bought, the owner was making it difficult for us. And that was a pastor. He's still a pastor. Right? He wasn't trying to be malicious, you know, but just things just weren't making sense. But yet, we still gave up the house there, coming here, and God worked it all out. See, because when you're in his will, he's going to work it out. It doesn't make sense to the natural. Just like it didn't make sense for Jesus to be in the Garden of Gethsemane, knowing that Judas was going to find him and betray him. But he knew from the end, from the beginning, that it was part of the plan. Mm -hmm. He knew Judas was going to betray him. Mm 
just like he knew Judas was a thief. <laughs> How many of us will allow a thief to be a part of our work, be a part of our ministry? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. What Jesus knew. Again, doesn't make sense. And see, this temptation, he tells them to, to pray that they don't enter into temptation. Now, we've heard, or I've heard, ministers say, well, that's because they were going to run away. You know, so, but no, actually, if you read later on in Luke, the disciples were ready to fight. They were ready to fight. They said, Lord, you want us to draw swords. That don't sound like no cowards. Peter draws his real quickly and does some damage. But Jesus does what? Heals the servant's ear. Why? Because Jesus didn't come here for that. Right? Jesus had other plans. Right? right. And, you know, we always think that all the disciples scattered and ran away. No. Two did. Two, two of them followed him. Turn to John. So, you know, John chapter 18. Then we'll come back to uh, Luke. John chapter 18, verse 15 through 17. I'm going to read. Now, this is Simon Peter. And the thing about it is, Peter didn't really have to deny him. And, and, and I just saw it this way. Actually, today, I believe, when I, when I read when the, uh, the woman servant was questioning him. Verse 15, And Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. Now that disciple was known to the high priest, and went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. Now, we don't know, it's not named who that disciple is, but more than likely it's John, because John spoke in third person. But Peter stood at the door outside. Then the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to her, who kept the door and brought Peter in. Now, you don't think if this disciple was known of the high priest, and John has access to him, don't you think the high priest knew John was a disciple? Yeah. Verse 17. Then the servant girl who kept the door said to Peter, you are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? Why? Because she knows John is a disciple. Peter didn't have to deny it. But now he started to get afraid. Let's keep going. He said, I am not. Now the servants and officers who had made a fire of coal stood there, for it was cold, and they warmed themselves, and Peter stood with them and, and warmed himself. Going down to verse 25. Now Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. Therefore they said to him, You are not also one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of him whose ear Peter cut off. So he's going to recognize the one that hurt his relative, right? That's a face you're not going to forget. <laughs> said, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter then denied again, and immediately a rooster crowed. Stop right there, and then y'all can turn back to Luke chapter 22. But Peter never had to deny it because they really knew. But see, just like Jesus spoke, that Peter was going to deny it. Why? Because Peter became afraid. And you think about it, nothing was going to happen to Peter because guess what? Peter was called to be one of the chief apostles. Right? But he allowed his will to get in the way. 
but what the Lord's will was for them. And see, they couldn't fight. And, and see, even today, when y'all heard me talk about it, how now we want to get in the uproar and fight, fight. That's not how Jesus came. That's not how he, how he wanted the disciples to be. Why? Because now they're out of their normal comfort zone. Yeah, they were going to strike and fight, but Jesus didn't want them to fight because he had a plan. Jesus was thinking about each and every one of us today. Amen. He was thinking about us today when he healed that servant's ear. Yeah. When, and we, we have to remember that. Jesus was sinless, so he wasn't supposed to die. Think about that for a moment. We know that he was beaten with the balls that had claws of iron in it. His back being ripped to shreds each time, but yet he could not die. Because he was sinless. Uh -huh. Where one of us would die from that. Yeah. So he's taking that pain thinking about us today. Oh How can we not serve him thinking about that? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. See, the enemy can't tempt us with something that we're not going to be attracted to. Right? So reason why he was able to come at Jesus because he caught he Jesus had been fasting for 40 days. So yes, he was hungry. So he could tempt him with food. He could tempt him even though he was hungry to get him to give him the kingdom now so he wouldn't have to walk the walk. Like I said, when we're doing God's will, it goes against the grain. It doesn't make sense to the natural mind. But we just have to obey. Our families will question us on why we do certain things. Why are you doing it? Why are you moving there? Why are you giving this job up? I had a job in Connecticut. I took a $17,000 pay cut. People would tell me, why are you doing that? It doesn't make sense. I knew what God was calling me to. And it wasn't because God was taking care of me. He was supplied. He was supplied to need. He was supplied to need. So even though people questioned the decision, couldn't question God. Amen. So in order, so even though the enemy would have people in my ear, guess what? I would have to go pray. Alright, Lord, what, what are you doing here? But I have to trust him. Alright? It just didn't make sense to the natural. It didn't make sense to my wife, neither. Right? It didn't make sense to her. <laughs> she wasn't Joe's wife. You know, she wasn't like Joe's wife telling me to curse God. <laughs> she was just like, you sure you're making the right decision? <laughs> but that, that's natural to the flesh. That, that, that's natural. We will receive questions like that when we're doing God's will. Because God's going to go against the grain because he's trying to test us. He's trying to test our obedience, our love for him, even his word. Right? So we see people, we see Christians, they'll confess Christ in their life, but yet they go against his word all the time. Because they want to do their will. And see, our flesh wants to do our will. Which is why we have to discipline our flesh. Right? Amen. That goes back to the fasting. That goes back to the praying. Those are the basic things that we have to learn to do. Right? Because if not, then we'll give it to our flesh. Amen. Like y'all heard me say it before. With, I went out with fast. Especially being a neighbor. When I first got saved, fast and then somebody bringing donuts. I'm going to do my will. Feed my stomach. A lot of times I did. I did. And then I beat myself up afterwards. Right? But I just had to have the discipline. I really had to have the discipline. So, you know, God's will 
to, again, to the natural mind, to our lives, it's going to be hard. And that's how it was for Jesus. See, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? We don't know. He's looking at the cup. And see, more, most scholars are going to say he was looking at the sins. Looking at our sins in that cup. Right? So, he says this. He says, verse 42, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Right? Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. What? Basically, he's saying, look, is the, if there's any other way, if there's another way that mankind could be saved, he wasn't concerned about dying, but he was concerned about being separated from the Father because he had never been separated from the Father. Amen. Never. But once he took on our sins, God turned his back on him. Just like he did us. That's what Jesus was faced with. That's what he was agonizing over. He wasn't afraid to die. He wasn't afraid to die. But he was concerned about being separated from the Father. Never in his life. For all of eternity, he was always connected to the Father. Even when he was in Mary's womb, connected to the Father. As a 12-year-old, connected to the Father. Obeying him. Hearing his voice. Doing his Father's will. As a young kid. But now he's faced with this agony here. But just for us today, just for the people that have gone before him, right? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, he's willing to take up the cup. See, that cup in the Old Testament is a sign of God's judgment, right? There's multiple verses, but I'm going to give you two. Uh, Isaiah 51, 17 says this, Awake, awake, stand up, O Jerusalem. You who have drunk at the hand of the Lord the cup of his fury, you have drunk the dregs of the cup of trembling and drained it out. Jeremiah 25.15 says this, For thus says the Lord God of Israel to me, Take this wine cup of fury from my hand and cause all, all the nations to whom I send you to drink it. See, the cup didn't represent death. It, it represent judgment. Because in that cup, Christ is looking at our sins. Our sins that he's taking on. Right? And for what? And, and see, here's the difference. We all know that they will sacrifice a lamb. <laughs> but that lamb would not know what lies ahead. But Jesus knew what was coming. That's right. Jesus knew what was coming. But he still had to wait. So even though he's being beaten, even though he's being smacked with the palm of his hand from an illegal trial, He's still taking it. Why? Because he's got to get to the cross. That's right. He's got to get to the cross. Right? He gets humiliated. Herod puts an expensive robe on him. Right? And so we, we hear preachers talking about, oh, they cast lots for the designer clothes that Jesus wore. No, it was that robe. That robe was an expensive robe that Herod put on him. They spit on his face. Made him carry his cross. To his own death. For us. For us. So how can we not do the Father's will, but yet do our own will? Right? These are things that we're tempted with every day to do our own will. Right? We're tempted. Right? It doesn't mean we may give in because the sin is not a temptation. Right? And it doesn't mean it can be some egregious sin like some fornication or sexual sin, but it could be anything. 
It could be something that causes us to rise up in pride. See, because really the enemy can tempt, tempt us what's in our hearts already. Right? So if we have an issue with pride, then he can tempt us with a promotion, a position, a title, you know, thing, whether it's at work or whether it's at church. Right? We can be tempted by those things and allow those things to get to our head, and we start working towards those things. And why? Just so for us to get to a certain point, then once we get there, like now what? Right? We, we have to learn to be selfless. Right? I don't know if y'all, Bill probably has, but there was a football player, Pat Tillman. Right? Millionaire, very, very good football player. He gave up his NFL career to go serve in the war. And people wondered why. They thought it was noble, but guess what? Not one athlete has done it since. Right? And people questioned, why would you give up your life, all of your livelihood, your mansion, all these things, to go serve in a war where you don't have to? Right? Because he wasn't thinking about himself. And guess what? He paid the ultimate sacrifice. He died. He died. He, he died. But the thing about it is, he wasn't thinking about himself. He was thinking about this country. He was thinking about the men and the women that were serving over there. Right? So, and I'm not saying it, it, he, was, he received it from God or nothing like that, but it's just an example of how he wasn't doing his own will. He was doing something else to help somebody else. Right? Sometimes we, we could be selfish, right? That's just the nature of the, the, our flesh, right? We could be selfish. So God can say, Rasan, go speak to that person about my love. And I can be like, no, nope, I don't feel like it today. <laughs> That's my will. That's my will. But the Father's will will be for me to go and do it regardless of how I feel. And, and knowingly, ultimately, hey, that's what's going to bring me joy in the end because that's what's bringing joy to the Father. Right. So we have to understand, you know, Jesus, <laughs> he came, again, that we can have access to the Father. Right? He didn't come to, be, to die, to be tortured, to be humiliated, to spit on for us to be rich. No, 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 no. He didn't come to do those things for us to have big houses, you know. And yeah, we can have fruits of labor, yeah. But fruits of labor, right? That's not a part of our relationship with Christ. Right? It's about our salvation. Because you can still be poor but have a relationship with Christ and still have more joy than that rich person that does not have a relationship with Christ. They can have all they want. All the property they want, biggest house they want, all their needs met, and still be unhappy. Right? But you can have that one person that has nothing, that don't even have a roof over their head. But because they have Christ, they are good. They are good. And Christ will take care of their needs. That's right. Because they are walking in relationship with Him. They are in obedience. They're not seeking after those things. Right? Again. Not my will, but your will be done. See, so there was a man in the garden. <laughs> man in the garden. He was tempted. He was tempted to give in himself to sin. And guess what? He said, 
My will, but not your will. There was another man here in the garden, Gethsemane, Jesus, who was tempted as well. He could have said, all right, I'm not going to do this because I want to be separated from the Father. But he said, no, not my will, but your will be done. We got to ask ourselves, each decision, each temptation we face, who are we going to go with? The first Adam or the last Adam? That's what we have to ask ourselves each and every day because each and every day we are tempted with something. Are we going to do our will or are we going to do the Father's will? See, and even if we do our will, it doesn't mean God's going to come down and strike us down. But that starts to create that wedge. Right? Again, that's when that conviction will come in. Right? But we want to be in the practice, get in the habit of doing the Father's will, not our own will. I just want to read this. The prayer of Jesus is significant because Jesus is talking about redemption for man. If it is possible, if what is possible, if salvation for man is possible by anything other than the cross, let this cup pass from me. I mentioned that earlier. That's basically what he was praying. That is why the cross of Jesus Christ offends many people today because they say Christianity is too narrow. Right? Before I came to Christ, I said that. I don't want to stop doing that. I was like, no, I'm not ready to stop doing that stuff yet. Right? Not realizing. Guess what? I come to Christ. I don't have a desire to do those things. Because guess what? Even as a born-again believer, we still have free will. Right? We still have free will. So, yeah, I can go out and do some things. That's going to mess up my relation with the Father, obviously. Some things are messing up my relation with my wife. <laughs> but God's given us a free will. So, it's not burdensome for me to obey Him. Right? You're not going to catch me out there coming out of a club. You're not going to catch me coming out of a bar. Unless for some reason I witness somebody. Right? <laughs> you, you, you're not going to catch me coming out of a woman's apartment, things like that. Right? If you do see me, call me on it. Call me on it. Call me on it. Now, I freely say that. Call me on it. You're not going to catch me doing it. These things, right? Even these things that a lot of these pastors are doing. No, I'm not going to do those things, right? Because it's not my will. And I don't have a desire to do those things. Why? Because if you stay connected with them, guess what? Our desires are His desires, right? So we always focus on that scripture God will give us the desires of our heart. So we thinking that's our own desire. No, that's His desire. Yeah. My son never thought about being a pastor. Not one bit. Even after I got saved, I don't want to be because I don't even like getting up here talking about in front of people. That, that's not my desire. Never was. Right? So, yeah, I still get little butterflies when I'm coming up here each time. Right? I just, you know, that's just the way it is. You know, but I got to rely on him. Amen. I got to rely on him. Sometimes I come up here, I'm like, all right, what, 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 what am I going to speak about? Oh, I, you, you work on this, and God, even like today. <laughs> You know, it, it, it's like, but, but God is good. God is good. When we do His will, He works everything out. He works everything out. That's why I, I want y'all, I want all of us to get in the habit of doing His will because, again, we're faced with these temptations every day. Are we going to be like Adam or are we going to be like Jesus? Right? And see, just like Peter, Peter was faced with that temptation. Peter didn't have to deny Christ. Right? But even the fact that he did, Jesus still loved him. 
Because what? Jesus prayed for him just like he's praying for us. He's interceding on the right side of the Father. He's interceding for us. So he knows with the fact that when we're faced with temptation, guess what? He's interceding that we make the right decision. And even if it's, do I leave this job? Do I move to this neighborhood? What? He's still interceding for us, making sure that we make the right choice, that we make the right decision, right? And, and, and see, if we're spending time, we got to get to the point where now, just like Ananias and Acts, that we know when Jesus is telling us, when the Lord is speaking to us about what street, we know what street to go to because he's spoken to us. Like I said, we, we, when we left Connecticut to come to Virginia, we had, we had it good. We, we had it good. We, 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 you know, outside of being in Connecticut, everything was good. Neighborhood was good. And you know what? Initially, when we moved in our neighborhood, we were the first black family to move there. And then we, after we moved there, we found out that there was a petition to keep us out because we were black. But then, every, you know, we got neighbors there. If we go back and visit, Miss Josephine, <laughs> see my wife, comes, Italian woman, hugs her, give her a kiss. All neighbors in our neighborhood don't even always speak to us sometimes. <laughs> see, don't make sense in the natural. Don't make sense in the natural. But God had us here for a reason. Right? Because he knew that these days were coming forward. He knew even before this that even the people, the lives that we touch, the lives that we, people we minister to, God had us there as vessels to do his will. See, because our will could have been, nah, let's stay here in Connecticut. Let's not, let's not step out. But that was a faith move for us to do that. Right? But years ago, we, we failed. Because we were going to move to Oklahoma when I first got over active duty. I went out there looking for a place. And I got cold feet listening to the family. So now we switched it up when we were moving to Virginia. That's why we didn't tell nobody. Said, nope. Because we didn't want the enemy. Because that, the enemy's going to use those that are closer to, to us. Come whispering in our ears. That's right. Right? So, again, we have to learn to do the Father's will and obey him. And really, we make it hard because... We're trapped by a natural mind because we're in this natural world, right? But if we just obey and take that step of faith. See, Jesus had to take a step of faith that the Father will come and raise him from the grave. He did. Because, again, it's the first time that God had turned his back on him. That's why it went dark from 12 to 3. It went dark so the Father wouldn't have to look at him. Right? He did that. So now he can look at us. He can look at us. And again, we have access to him. We can call on the Father anytime we want to. Everywhere we go, he's there because he lives on the inside of us. Right? All because of what Jesus did. All because of what Jesus did for us. Right? So, God knew that was going to happen. See, even though Adam messed up, and it wasn't Eve, but it was Adam because the covenant was made with Adam, not Eve. Thank you, Jesus. Adam messed up. But God had a plan the whole way. Amen. That redemption could come to all of mankind. Right? So let us not also keep it to ourselves. Right? Let us share it with others. Right? That's right. It don't mean that we have to burden people with it. And I, you know, I remember people coming to me and, and trying to witness to me before I came saved. And I look back at all, a lot of them did it the wrong way. They, they were very 
pushy, <laughs> very pushy, right? And, and I told a story one time. I went to the church with my wife, and a young man came out. I almost called his name. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. He, he meant well. He just didn't know nobody. He was a, he was a young guy, and I wanted to hit him. I wasn't, I wasn't saved. I wanted to hit him. He said, when are you going to give your heart to the Lord? I said, what? Lord, get my hand from the <laughs> You know, but, you know, I used, I used to have a little anger issue, you know, but thank God, I don't know more. My daughter might say otherwise. <laughs> nah, I don't. Um, yeah, thankfully I'm not what I used to be, and, and, and that is a good part about being redeemed by the Lord. Yes. You know, we're not what we used to be, Amen. you know, so... Amen. Glory to God. Let's bow our heads. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.